Welcome to the Annie Gamers Podcast. This is episode number 66, recorded on Wednesday, September 14th, 2016. I'm here with uh, with David. Yo, what up? And, uh, you know, I didn't say my name. My name's Evan Minto. Uh, I host this podcast with David, and we have a special guest today, Bamboo Dong, writer for Anime News Network. Hello, thanks for having me. She's here in my apartment, which means that we uh, went through a whole bunch of shenanigans trying to set this thing up and get it recorded just like last time when we had Bill on. But yeah. uh, thanks for being here. Broken headphones, uh, the mic doesn't work, Mac OS X just being awful, you know, all sorts Mac of things. Mac OS X is all right. Don't hate on Mac OS X, David. Uh. It's, it's, it's beautiful and it, it's simple and soon you won't even uh, be able to plug headphones into it. Yes. <laughs> just what I've always dreamed of with At my computer. You have to choose the charger or the headphones. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how does the whole quote go, Evan? You know this quote better than I do. You have to choose. Do you want to charge your phone, or do you want to do you want to like listen to music on your phone? If you choose the charger, I'll I'll kill you uh, to to spare you the the hardships of battle. If you choose the the headphones, I, I will take you with me, and you'll become my apprentice. <laughs> Lone wolf and earbud. Nice. <laughs> So, uh, so uh, how's, how's things been going, David? We haven't seen each other since Otakon. Wow. Yeah, no, it has actually, has it really been that long? Like, I was more surprised that we're on episode number 66. I don't even know what's happened. I feel like we were yeah. on 63 last time. We we were, and then what happened in between is I talked with a bunch of a bunch of our friends at at Otakon. I did oh. a show with Anime World Order, The Reverse Thieves, and Carl from Ogui Maniacs, uh, and then we did, uh, we actually had that, that show, uh, with Ink and Jared, which actually I'll, I'll, I'll pimp that again, because, uh, if you guys liked that, please let us know. Cause we might be doing more with them in the future. We shall right. see. I just, I want to be on the record. Like I want this to be recorded that if I'm not present for any gamers podcast number 69, I will yeah. never record another podcast with Evan ever again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, we're going to do something really special for episode 69. That's Maybe I'll play like an arrow gay and then, oh, <laughs> <laughs> wait a sec, David. That's actually a plan. Let's let's uh, let's let's hold on to that one. OK, <laughs> we'll do a joint review of an arrow gay. Finally, uh, you've been watching anything, David? Um, well, you know, we want to get our plugs in first, right? Because I am dumb excited for Friday to come along because the new Dragon Quest comes out. We just didn't have anything to say, and you just jumped up and down in your chair. Yeah. That's that's the entire image that we've got there. <laughs> okay, so because okay, gotta, so like I've never played a Dragon you. Quest. I gotta sell it to you because right. it's like this is a Dragon Quest that we got on PlayStation One, and nobody really paid attention to it, and that's pretty much the reason why there were no more Dragon Quests until uh, I believe. Probably, yeah, not probably for not a, for a while, not until like the PS2, uh, Dragon Quest Eight. I feel like maybe the DS games came out before then. But in any case, there was a, just a long gap before anybody cared about Dragon Quest again. And even this release, Seven, which is the enhanced 3DS remake, which now, you know, everything kind of looks great, and it's on a handheld, which is probably the, prefer the preferred platform for trying to play a game like this. Um, basically, uh, 
Square Enix was considering not even putting it out in America. Like, it was just, again, Dragon Quest was no longer a priority. They just mm. figured it would be a hard sell. The script was enormous. But yeah, I guess, you know, one of those things happened, like another Operation Rainfall or whatever the heck it was called. Something like that happened, and they're like, oh, well, yeah, you know, people care about Dragon Quest, so, you know, here you guys go. Uh, so that's pretty exciting that we get a enhanced version of Dragon Quest VII, which is really hard to find now. And not only that, um, just I haven't played it yet. And I heard it's story-wise, I heard it's like really good. It actually sounds really interesting from what I heard, where you essentially just start on like a really small island and basically you progress through the game by discovering lands that have been lost in time. So essentially you're building like the world map out into what it should be. Which sounds really cool, which is like with its whole like time travel thing going on. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Have you played Dragon Quest games? I have not. I haven't played any. Yeah, I barely played any JRPGs. Yeah. Well, I've 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 actually been uh going through and slowly and uh replaying all the Kingdom Hearts games. Oh wow. Yeah. Cause like I mean, I cannot wait for Kingdom Hearts three, which I'll still be waiting for it. Um, Right, right. But I like I basically cannot like wait any longer to not be playing and touching Kingdom Hearts. So I've just been like slowly going through one. Now I'm on two. Gonna yeah. go through like Birth by Sleep. Just do the whole thing. Can't wait for two point eight. Like, I am super 2.8. pumped. <laughs> yeah, the way that they number things, like it doesn't even matter because the story in Kingdom Hearts doesn't actually matter because it's all gibberish. Yeah, it's just fan fiction. It's basically fan fiction. Yeah. It's ridiculous, but <laughs> the gameplay is so fun. And that's the best part. Like, I gotta say that Kingdom Hearts isn't really my jam, but understanding the length of time between two and three, I guess. Oh my god, it's been like ten years. It's been over ten years, it's I been, think. I feel like that has been a worse wait than compared to, like, Final Fantasy fifteen, which was then right. considered, what, like, 13 or 13 whatever crazy subtitle it had before it became 15. <laughs> I mean, like... I guess it's the zeitgeist hasn't really died down though for something like Kingdom Hearts though, right? Not not specifically been, Kingdom Hearts, but like the potential has been there. Like it, nothing. Yeah, I don't feel like anything has been like whoa. Like it's everywhere. Like a lot of things have happened since Kingdom Hearts too. Like well, I just mean the, the fact that the fact that like uh, there's still a lot of that that combination of the disney animation aesthetic and like the anime aesthetic is like that's still out there and that's still going really strong it's uh, arguably been sort of growing as you see stuff mm. like you know a lot of american animation sort of combining yeah. the two and like i feel like there's still a big market for it so it's not like they missed their chance to sell like i feel like new fans would still be like whoa what is this i've never played these before i think what really always helped kingdom hearts was that the first game was really the first time that square enix like um with their jrpgs like uh change the combat system to more of like an active combat Mm. system so in terms of like the actual like like fighting engine and and the combat system they use like that itself was like very new and a lot of the games now that i feel like they're making are sort of also like sort of following that um just sort of that like active combat so i feel like that by itself like it was i want to say it was like ahead of its time but it was it was far enough ahead of 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 the curve in terms of like RPG gaming, yeah, yeah, that I feel like it still has like a long way to write out, even though the story is nonsense and gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so stupid. I don't know. I don't know what's going well, on. Well, it's purely an aesthetic thing, though, right? 
Like, yeah, I mean, it's that just, too. it's there because it feels like Final Fantasy. It's that, it's the Final Fantasy aesthetic element, just having a nonsense plot, but like a really nonsense plot. We are going to talk in a little bit about No Man's Sky, which is the main reason why I brought Bamboo on outside of just like you being cool and a cool. person who can say funny things about anime. <laughs> uh, but yeah, before that, I, I know David, you wanted to talk about uh something that you did you watch it for the first time recently i watched it for the first time yes i watched uh magnetic rose from memories for the first time recently and oh my god yeah i was it's so good david (laughs) oh it was so good so good it's the it's Phenomenal, yeah. Nobody emphasized how good it was. Everyone emphasized how good it was. Everyone told you how good it was, (laughs) David. (laughs) Did you watch the entire memories Mm. or just... Oh, hell no. I just watched Magnetic Rose. Rose. That's... Well... David, why? The rest of them are good. Stink Bomb's good. No. Uh, Magnetic Rose is just like... It's the best one. It's not... It's nothing. I disagree, actually. I disagree. Oh, snap. Okay, which one is the best part of memories? Uh... Cannonball, cannon fodder, cannonball, whatever. Cannon busters, cannon, cannon, whatever. Nope. The no, last one. Yeah, uh, cannon, cannon fodder. Cannon fodder. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Cannon something. That one's the best one. Cannon fodder is really good. That's the one really that Otomo directed. It had like the. Um, it's, it's it's not actually one shot, I guess, but it's supposed to look like it's one shot, right? Yeah. Continuous shot. Yeah. yeah. That's like. I think that's the second storytelling wise, like, and in terms of like really political commentary. Mm. Okay. Okay. There's that. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you on yeah. that. Like, it's got that Otomo social commentary yeah, yeah, yeah. going on about, like, because it's like a country that exists only, like, everything exists just to shoot the cannons. Yeah. It but it's implied. To perpetuate warfare for no other reason than it, like, it's, is the only thing that keeps them going. Yeah, because they imply it. Yeah. They, they never strongly imply it, I guess. But, like, there's an implication that, like, the there is no actual war yeah. to be fought. They are just firing cannons out into nothingness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but. It's smart. It's really good. Magnetic Rose, though, like, I feel like aesthetically. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it is utterly sublime. Oh, yeah. man. I just, I haven't felt the chills like that watching anime in a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Cone, right? So, like, you're, you're sort of seeing yeah, a ghost like, there, no, no, right? Like, like, you haven't seen him in forever. Not, but not, not, not just that. It's just, it's cone just like completely knocking every single point out just like just it's just it's so perfect the way he hits on like the whole like perception of reality and dreams and you know the plausibility that it's actually happening but it's not and it's all in his head but what what parts are in his head and what parts are not and it's just it's that it's that thin line between you know this is fantasy and this is reality yeah. That, well, of course, like, you know, that was Cohen's whole thing. But, you know, for Magnetic Rose, it's just probably because it's a shorter runtime than, you know, his feature films. It's just I, that was really potent. I think that it's was a, a really strong shot of Cohen. <laughs> actually, first, we should say uh, what Magnetic Rose like is about and what it is from. So like Memories is a, a collection of short films all based on manga shorts by Katsuhiro Otomo, director of Akira. And like creator of Akira, manga artist of it too. And uh, Magnetic Rose is about at these, they're like space garbage men they're, or something like space, that. Yeah, yeah, like space miners or something like right. that. Yeah. And they like call it, uh, they get this distress signal, they go to, to help, and it turns out it's like this giant ship shaped like a rose that has 
once you it like looks derelict but when they go inside it like is this like lavish opera hall and it's basically the mausoleum of a like an opera singer and they kind of get haunted by her ghost maybe but you're not sure what's going on (laughs) yeah oh man oh man that ending though oh oh wow yeah the ending the way it ends it's actually the the ending is the part that to me feels the most koji morimoto in it because morimoto is the director and cone is the the writer but like the ending reminds me a lot of um i don't know if you've seen like you might have seen you've seen uh Robot Carnival. Oh, yeah. 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 It reminds me of Franken, Frankenskeers, yeah. right? Which is also yeah. Morimoto. Like that very kind of like operatic, just yeah. like melodramatic things falling down and, and you know, just breaking apart. Have you seen Robot Carnival, David? No. Oh, you, you might. Like Robot Carnival, I feel like is kind of hit and miss, but it's got some really good stuff. And Frankenskeers is like a really good one. Same director. Yeah, you should watch the other ones, though. Stink Bomb is really fun and kind of silly. Kind of goofy. Like, yeah. yeah. It's, it, was just, it was just that initial shock. Like, I... The reason why I watched, uh, I started to watch Memories and got hit by Magnetic Rose was <laughs> I finished Game of Thrones and I was at a crossroads in my life uh-huh. where I said, this is amazing, but anime is my thing. But when I put these two together, I want to just dunk anime in the garbage and then you know just clean up and just take, take the... Uh, Take the easier road out, I think. Listen, David, but, I understand. I'm watching, like, The Wire and Mr. Robot right now, and I'm like, who needs anime? Mr. Robot's not the best, but, like... I, honestly, I still haven't season. even, like... F- I haven't even followed up on my uh, my weekly shows that I've been watching this season. I didn't even, like, dislike this season. I wasn't even, like, completely, you know, not caring about this season. I was a little bit invested in this season, and then I watched Game of Thrones, and I just kind of blew everything aside look like i've watched a lot of anime in my lifetime but nothing or i mean i'm sure i could think of something but like (laughs) nothing really has been as good as like the people versus oj simpson like like, anime is like it doesn't compare doesn't so like why do i ever need anime ever again you don't need it struggle because there's something i there's definitely something that I like about anime. There's something. Well, we'll figure reason. it out. On episode 69, we'll figure it out. There's a reason why I'm still here, even though I cannot stress enough to so many people how awful most of it is. I hear that this so, cartoon Magnetic, is the anime People versus OJ. <laughs> Magnetic Rose was a step towards, you know, maybe maybe some of the stuff can actually match up maybe the, uh, the, people the versus season OJ. finale of season six of Game of Thrones. i'm just waiting for like the anime jersey shore like when are we gonna get that right because nothing will ever truly reach the heights of jersey you know like video games are always looking for their citizen kane i'm waiting for anime to find like it's train robbery at this point right (laughs) wait like the great train robbery like you're saying anime hasn't even gotten to the great train robbery yet no I hear that Miss Hokusai is the uh, People versus OJ of anime. Oh wow, that's awesome! Yeah. <laughs> what is the Jersey Shore of anime? What do you think? Because I because like Mr. Osamatsu love Hina <laughs> is. You guys can't deny that Mr. Osamatsu is the Always Sunny in Philadelphia oh, of anime, right? Yes. It's about like six shitty dudes who are, like don't want to get a job. <laughs> so like, what is the, the what's Jersey, Jersey Shore, Shore of anime? It's got to be just about a bunch of like. Awful people who get holed up in a... Is it, is it, uh, is it Lost Village? <laughs> <laughs> it's 
sleep with Danganronpa. Danganronpa. <laughs> Bunch of awful people locked up somewhere, and they're just shitty to each other all the time. Okay, I haven't yes. seen Danganronpa, but that, maybe that's it. <laughs> that's actually, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Also, actually, I didn't mention, you can listen to an episode in the Annie Gamers podcast feed where we talk about memories before we get off of that subject. It was I did it on the Greatest Movie Ever podcast. But anyway... David, you know, like you, you're you're losing faith in anime, but uh, but there's our Lord and Savior is here to uh, to protect us from bad anime. Sentai Filmworks has licensed Shihaya Fudu, and I think Bamboo is pretty happy about it. I'm very excited. Uh, that was also a great segue. Oh yeah, I actually have to give you credit for that. Uh, Shihaya Fudu is the best anime that nobody watches, except that, for except for people from with, gamers, except for people <laughs> with impeccable taste. You know, I. Honestly, I've only seen like five episodes of it and I loved them, but I just never got back to watching oh it. God. Yeah, it was great. Like, it's I, I have the bilingual editions of the manga. Oh, it's yeah. so good. Why is it good? Tell our listeners because well, they probably have. Yeah, they have, tell me. Why they have really good. bad taste. So, our listeners, so. Well, I have really bad taste. I will first say that Chihaya Fudu is the type of show that when you try to describe the show, it will immediately turn people off because it doesn't sound interesting. Yeah, but yeah. don't be dissuaded by it. Exactly, because it's basically it's it's about uh, it's about a girl who's really into um, competitive k- uh, kauruta. kauruta yeah. I can barely say half the time <laughs> competitive kauruta, and it's I don't even really know how to like properly describe the game. I, like I can do that actually because I oh perfect we played it sometimes in my my uh, Japanese cultural club in college. Okay. So kauruta is a game that has. Uh, these Japanese poems that are part of the Hyakunin issue, and Ink would be the perfect person to talk about this. Ink from Anagamer's like number one Jihaya Fudu fan or whatever. Uh, or maybe, maybe he's number two. I think he's number two. Yeah, one. all right, all right. <laughs> so uh, the Hyakunin issue are these poems that, that kids learn in school, and it's kind of almost like an educational game yeah. on, on the surface because it's uh, a reader will read a one of these poems and they're the players will be like sitting on the floor uh and they'll have these cards face up in front of them that all have the second half of the poem on them and they'll sort of be like you know shuffled between the two players they'll and they'll have them out in a grid and it's basically a challenge to see who can who can swipe and like hit the card with the second half of the poem first the thing when i would explain this game to people the thing that people often misunderstood is that they are reading the entire poem but the only the second half is on the the card, which means that they need to have the entire poem memorized and they need to be able to because it, they can grab from like either side. It's like competitive, uh, like memory or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. They need to be able to recognize the cards as quickly as possible and grab them before the other person does. So people end up memorizing the entire like all the poems and they're able to sort of like map it out in their head. Uh, the crazy thing, if you look up YouTube videos of Karuta, is this game it's gets insanely nuts. competitive. Yeah, <laughs> like, because like once the reader even like starts saying it, just by like the first syllable, they already right. know what the card is. You so, watch like, the like queens matches yeah, and stuff. They are like insane. like they They're swipe like, it before you even so hear fast. the read. <laughs> it is it is crazy. And so so basically, this anime is about this girl who's like really into this game, and she wants to start a club for people who are also really into this game, and it's. I mean, I guess technically you could sort of call it a sports anime because yeah, it is, you know, I mean, it's about, sure. you know, it's about them trying to like fight their way up to the nationals and whatever. But just the character writing 
is exceptional. Like everyone undergoes like really tender and complete character arcs. Um, and it's not just about them like advancing to the nationals. You know, it's not your like traditional sports anime where the only thing that matters is like whether or not they make it to the nationals or mm. whether or not they make it to the Olympics or whatever. That's sort of like, that's it. It runs parallel yeah. with their character development, the, the things that they're learning in their lives that, that, you know, prepares them to do better at this game. Uh, talks about a lot about their interpersonal relationships uh, between their teammates and also, you know, their, their family members. And it's just like a stunningly beautiful show. The soundtrack is gorgeous. Yeah. It's, it's also, it's a Jose yeah, instead of a Shonen, which yeah. I feel like is where a lot of those differences yeah. come from because the target audience is adult women right. as opposed to like teenage boys. boys it's yeah. like, they're going to beat the other baseball kids. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> it is streaming on Crunchyroll. So disclaimer, I work at Crunchyroll. Uh, I'm not here to promote Crunchyroll, but yeah, that's a fact. It is streaming on Crunchyroll. But it's, uh, yeah, the news here is is basically that Sentai is putting it out on DVD, which people thought nobody would, would ever do. Happen. It's just like yeah. nobody would pick up on it. This thing came out like a couple years ago. A few years ago. All these other simulcasts get picked up for DVDs, yeah. but Chaya Fudu didn't probably because of all those reasons that it's like, well, yeah. it's Jose, it's sports, like sports doesn't, you know, tend to, I think, do as well as some other stuff. It's getting more popular now. I think it's a hard but, thing like, to sell. I mean, because and like. And also, yeah, the card game. Also, like, it's who a cares card in the game. US yeah, so Japanese it's not poems. even just like yeah. volleyball or soccer or whatever. Right. I mean, it is a card game, but it's also like. I mean, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a rom com too. Mm-hmm. Like, there's really that aspect of it. So it's like a rom com card game sports anime. It's got too much. Yeah, I mean, you if if we're gonna be like really obnoxious, we'd be like, it's too sophisticated for the American <laughs> market. Like, it's too good. But, right? but it really is. It is really good. And but I do think it is really niche. And like, yeah, I've I cried buckets watching that show. I cried so much. There's just a lot of tender moments, and I think I think it will save anime. All right, we have it on the record. Anime News Network's Bamboo Dong says, Chihaya Fudu will save, save anime. anime. Excellent. Make All anime right. great again. Well, speaking of. Speaking of <laughs> making things great again. Spe- yeah, speaking of people who, who uh, think that somebody should make things great again. Uh, <laughs> there was an article on the Mary Sue. You probably heard about this if you were like on the internet this week. At all. At a, ever. Um so the Mary Sue is a uh, sort of geek culture site that focuses, I guess, like looks at things from a sort of feminist, feminist perspective, perspective, right? Named after the uh, <laughs> like fan fiction trope of the Mary Sue character. Uh, and there's this article, Moe, uh, let me actually make sure I have the right title here. Uh, it's Moe and Misogyny, Moe, Misogyny and Masculinity, Anime's Cuteness Problem and How to Fix It. The subtitle is like, it's adorably problematic. And it's written by Amelia Cook. So... This is an interesting one. Uh, I, I feel like the parallels here to Anita Sarkeesian are, are, are fairly, fairly apt uh, in that this is a it's an article that is like kind of basic in terms of its analysis of like Moe as a trope in anime and just makes some pretty, pretty basic statements about like the sorts of things that anime fans have kind of always had some concerns about with Moe on some level. Uh, and then people got got really, really pissed about it. They got really upset. <laughs> So it kind of just describes what Moe is for like an audience that doesn't watch anime, right? So it's got this very like like kind of mainstream geek perspective. Uh, though I think the the author here is a pretty big anime fan, so she like she knows anime. She's not like she she didn't like come in from Doctor Who and like oh my, <laughs> sipping her tea. Like what is all of this anime? <laughs> 
yeah. Japanimation. But the, yeah, the, the thing is, she like bases a large part of this on the Moe Manifesto, quotes from, from the Moe Manifesto, which I haven't read, but I've always understood the Moe Manifesto to be, manifesto to be like questionable mm-hmm. as a source to cite. Yeah. Because it's kind of written by like a Moe sympathizer dude and not like, I haven't read it, right? But like, I never got a good impression of the Moe right, Manifesto right. from people. Right. <laughs> the part that threw me off is, uh, let me, let me pull this up. She compares it to My Little Pony, which I think is an accurate description of moe as like a as a it, broadly speaking i do think and and you may you're giving me a look like you disagree <laughs> with this bamboo <laughs> like i do think that moe is essentially the my little pony phenomenon in that it's like men uh taking things targeted at girls and kind of like they like it genuinely for what it is and then i guess maybe what we could say is that i'd say my little pony is like what is the thing the phenomenon with My Little Pony is the same phenomenon that eventually gave rise to Moe. That men like were really into this thing for maybe like the wrong reasons or whatever. And then they started to make their own stuff that was like actually targeted to them, inspired by that thing. That being shoujo and magical girl anime. That's my, so <laughs> you're giving me a very skeptical look. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I disagree because I, I do I do think that there is a a large crossover uh, between men and Little Pony and men who would also like Moe. Like, mm-hmm. I think on a Venn diagram, there would be a large chunk that and overlaps. It would, it would say Reddit on it. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I don't necessarily think that the, the, the source of that are necessarily, like, similar. Because, like, really? the source of My Little Pony is, like, obviously it's a cartoon for, like, little girls. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think, I don't, I think my, I don't think Moe, uh, I don't think it stems from cartoons for little girls because I think that aesthetic can be traced down for decades. Mm. I mean, and you you know, like Azuma stuff, like exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm staring at your poster of Astro Boy, you know, and, and he has a lot of those like features too, that I think have over the, over the, the, the years have sort of morphed into like what, what you would call like very stereotypic like anime look and and a lot of that you know comes from the uh early animators like you would have large eyes because they're more expressive right because like a lot of animators they would take their cues from like betty boop and yeah and disney and a lot of that and, and you could just you, you can make characters expressive on a low budget and i think that's what where a lot of that aesthetic came from but I mean, like, you wouldn't argue that there's not an exploitative aspect to it, right? Oh, I, like, I would definitely is. Oh, there, <laughs> yeah. there, there definitely is. But I, I, I don't, I don't think that like modern moe takes its roots from stuff made for girls necessarily. Which is, which is the only thing I had. Right. That was like your big. That was my issue. yeah bone to pick with what with what you said. I mean, okay, I, yeah. I think a lot of modern moe, and then you're you're sort of like prototypical like. Moe Blob character, I think this definitely came out of stuff that is targeted for men. Yeah, I mean, now that I really like when you bring that up, like, of course, right. There's a there was like a history of that. Even if you just look at like a lot of 80s OVAs, you look at stuff like Dirty Pair and you're like, oh, it's there. Like it's it's yeah. percolating. That sort of style is is obviously the Dirty Pair are like pretty badass, but their designs are like kind of a proto Moe look. Yeah. To them, right. Or like Urusei Yatsura or things right, like that. Right. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I I have fairly significant historical evidence, though, that like there's a combination of both, at least. Yeah. That like, I mean, 
I think the first three years of the Saimoe competition, the winners are all shoujo manga heroines. Like it's pretty clear that that's that some amount of those fans came right. from watching sort of co-opting shoujo stuff. And then at a certain point, like it switches. And then all of the heroines who win Saimoe are like Nanoha and these things that are targeted mm-hmm. to men. So like that to me indicates a pretty clear like transition from like men watching Sailor Moon and Cardcaptor Sakura to men watching things that ape that but are made for them. And that's not to say there isn't like that right. that isn't also combining a history of Lolicon right. and other things. Yeah, I I think for me the important thing the distinction that I always make is that I think Moe and and my reactions towards it like whether or not I'm okay with a particular show or I like feel repulsed by it is not the aesthetic as it is the intent. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's like huge. So like for instance like in this article like she 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 posts photos of Love Life Sunshine and the Love Life franchise has always been very squarely, I think, targeted towards both men and women. Um, and so like, so obviously there are some characters that are very like Moe. Right. But I think the intent there is not the same as like the intent of a show where you have like a six year old girl who who's always putting like dick shaped foods in her mouth. Right. You know, you know, those shows where it's like, yeah. I'm I mean, a little I just girl watched... and I'm eating a banana. Now I'm eating a popsicle, and uh, it's melting on my face, and it looks like cum. Right? <laughs> like that's like that's an entirely different. I, is that like, the first oh, time we've said cum on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad it wasn't me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, I'll be honest. I actually uh, somebody in one of the responses to this article they brought up Ori Emo, and I was like, you know what? I haven't seen Ori Emo. So last night I watched two episodes of Ori Emo. <laughs> And that is an example of a show where I feel like, yeah, yeah. okay, that's kind of, that's not cool. Like, there's a yeah. lot of, like, these sexualized shots that are, dick like, clearly. Does it, do they do it in that show? I don't remember. I think I there's a big shape second episode. That. Okay. Yeah. But, like, no, there's shots where it's, like, her butt's up in the air and she's wiggling yeah. it because she's going under the desk yeah. or something. And it's, like, that's, that's, like, this guy's little sister who's, like, in elementary school or something. <laughs> or, what is she, middle school? I exaggerated. I don't probably. know. David knows. David looks, David would know. I, I'm just I'm waiting for the discourse to kind of make its you know way through. We're looking for a, a safe point of entry into the uh, into the conversation uh-huh. here, but I'm not I'm not seeing the safe David's point. A, David's a bit of a Moe sympathizer. Uh, I actually D- David's a Moe sympathizer, but an anime hater. It's a, a unique and potent combination. <laughs> maybe maybe not so much sympathizer, more somebody that just has really complicated trains of thought related to it. Mainly, I'm really, really just interested in, like, the reactions between, you know, these different audiences looking at this and just what they're taking out of it. Because I don't think anything is quite as divisive as something with Moe content in it that's sexually charged, possibly even a little bit exploitative. I mean... You're so, not you're not into emotional dance moe. You're into intellectual dance moe, right? IDM. Yes, the, the best. Yes, <laughs> the best uh, electronic music genre. <laughs> no, but actually, I, I think it's it's such a hard call to make because it's first of all, as filthy English only peasants, we have not even half of the story. Like we don't know. We really could never understand like the Japanese thought and, you know, these things that are obviously being made for them. Uh, and we take like, w- we take a 
we often take a stance of like, oh, these crazy Japanese and it like just smacks of Orientalism. And I think it's like really just reductive of, uh, of, you know, like just the, what, what's the bigger thing going on now? I remember when there was the whole big deal about, um, just like indecency laws and censorship and just a lot of things related to, uh, depictions of underage virtual characters, as they put it. One of the most compelling arguments that I found that was pro-Moi and just all the grossness behind it is that if we consider this as art, and we don't even consider it as good or bad art, that in any case, this is in a way an expression of the times of us, of all of us, of all the beautiful and the ugly elements, as they put it, of you know that culture and what they're making. So when... We start. We're starting to pass, you know, these laws of decency and what's right and what I'm uncomfortable with and what I don't want to see, and it gets to the point where we start taking steps to preventing these sort of things to be made. It's kind of doesn't bode well for you know just creation on the whole. Well. I do want to make a distinction. Actually, I mean, I know, like, I went off like on a huge, enormous idea when we're really just talking about one yeah, article, I, and you know, I want to make like, the distinction the- here with like censorship, right? Because at no point in this article does Amelia ever actually say that she wants like Moe anime censored. Her real thesis here, which is like again, like she's not actually saying a ton here. She's kind of just like putting right. out some thoughts, but like she's saying, hey, like. <clears throat> We should be able to recognize some of the the issues here in terms of how this represents women, which is her particular interest, right? Not right. not that she which dislikes it. Let's recognize right. let let's recognize the issues. But you know, something like this was always going to boil down to like, okay, what what should we be allowed to see, and what should I don't we think be it always has to, to like it always it all, but it always ends up being something like that. I think the the problem with using an argument like, okay, well, this is part of Japanese culture or whatever, is that something can be part of someone's culture and still be misogynistic. Yeah. It's not, it's not like one or the other. I mean, just like, like you don't go to Saudi Arabia and go like, well, uh, the way they treat women is just part of the culture. Because I think like, like, (laughs) yeah, because like, I mean, we could have like a whole sprawling conversation about like, like relativism and and the problems that you get into there you know and i don't think like just because like oh this is part of their culture that's you know then then, like everything is okay and i mean there are like loads and loads of academic articles that actually look at anime specifically and and, like i remember in college like i was taking a i was taking a media analysis class where i i read a paper where where uh, someone and i don't remember the author's name right now was was citing um anime and its aesthetic and uh sort of this this uh this viewpoint and and the the tendency to sexualize women and tracing that back to like world war ii Mm. and saying that a lot of uh and his thesis was that a lot of of anime and other like uh fictional stories in japan have some of these um male dominant like male dominating themes because of world war ii i'm not saying he's like right or wrong but like there's like a whole this is like a can of worms that like goes really deep 
Not that a can of worms can go deep. That's a weird analogy. Very deep can. A deep can, large can, it's a Pringles can. We go all <laughs> the way back to World War II when we begin talking about Moe and things being problematic. Yeah. Like in the like in the end, there's like really just so much to talk about. And the important thing is is that we're talking about it. Yeah, I mean I I just well, I don't I don't think that the article like the article is just too short and like it doesn't go into everything, but also like do you expect do people expect a doctoral thesis on Moe right? on, yeah, on the Mary Sue? Mary like Sue. no, it's a it's it's a quick <laughs> look, right? Like we're, wait, we're waiting for our citizen cane of Moe discourse <laughs> and we're not there yet. There's even like things in the article that I just like straight up like disagree with. Like she 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 mentions that uh that you can only feel moe for a fictional character and i think that's untrue i think mm. you can feel moe for trains that is so untrue i think you i i've <laughs> as much as i disagree with his policies i feel very moe towards jeb bush i think he's very moe really oh yeah, yeah. i can see that you yeah, want to protect he's him very moe. Yeah, he's a, he's a precious like, little boy have you met yeah. have you met this guy jeb bush no. he's just been on tv he, oh. he may as well just be yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. i feel moe for I john Kasich. that is true <laughs> But he is a real person. And then, you know, and, and the article she was saying that, like, you couldn't possibly, like, that you actually cannot be Moe for a real uh, yes. person. Um, I mean, the, part of the issue here is, like, and, and she, I'm, I think she knows this, but also, like, like, we all know this. This is why we don't go around writing editorials about Moe all the time. Is like, the word is practically meaningless because everybody uses a different right. definition. And so, like, any, like, if you try to have any conversation about Moe, Right. It doesn't matter because you pick the definition at the beginning of it. Right. And so you pick the wrong definition to like 80 percent of the people, right. no matter which one you pick. But I do think that you said something really fascinating, David. And I think this is like the 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 sort of crux of it is that like articles like this do open things up for discussion. And I think everyone should welcome discussion. But some people don't want to welcome discussion. Yes. Let's uh, let's let's talk about some of these folks. Uh, we got some really good, really good. Um, posts from people. Let's look at some Twitter posts first. Uh, so we've got a, we've got some uh, libertarian to to who we've got some libertarians talking about it. Uh, cuteness is part of Japanese culture. You have no right to impose your white colonial values onto them. That's a really oh. good one. <laughs> one of the arguments I kept seeing in here, which I don't have a a really good quote for is a lot of people saying that uh, she's just jealous because these anime girls are cute and she's not. And so, like, th 3D PD girls will always be jealous of the, the cute Moe girls. A lot of people just basically saying, like, then don't watch it, um, which is what I always find to be, like, an interesting argument because, like, in the world that these people want, like, media is, like, just sacred as intended and cannot be, cannot be critiqued you can't have anything bad to say about it. It's like, if you don't like it, walk away and don't ever talk about things you don't like. Let me just close your eyes. to these girls in peace. <laughs> you don't want to watch that. Come on. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. Just walk away. Uh, yeah, I, I always find that interesting because it's basically it. it It's this strange idea that like all media should just be should should not be like critiqued. But of course, like. These are the same people who will like want a reviewer to like really dig into a game they hate or something, right? Like media should really only not be critiqued if it's sexist. I think what it boils down to is like, for instance, like, you know, there are things about the original article that I Don't disagree mean, yeah. with. 
but she can write them. Yeah, it's that's fine. It's not an affront to like your anime personally. Yeah, Yeah. I don't. She just has a different opinion. (laughs) You know, and and there are shows that she cites that I don't agree are moe or misogynistic, but she's free to express those opinions. And I think when it becomes a problem is like when you are not allowed to express that opinion. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, though, that you mentioned just back on the article itself is like the shows that she picks. One of the things I thought was lacking in the article is she never actually cites any examples. Yeah. She has pictures, pictures, but I don't I I think those pictures were not actually like I don't even know if she chose those. I think those might have been chosen by her editor or whatever. I think it's possible because on one of them, she she has a picture of Love, Life, Sunshine and then attributes attributes the source to NIS America. And actually, Funimation has those rights, oh. so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if, like, maybe her editor just right. Put so those it's in. like it's it it's possible. Like that's what I actually think is one of the most lacking things there. She doesn't really talk about like this show. Here's an example from a show. Yeah. But also, like, I think she had word count. Like, she can't. Yeah. She, she couldn't do the giant essay where yeah. she goes into all the details. But it's fine because she can do whatever she right, wants. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 Uh, let's 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 check out. There's so there's a hashtag Operation Moe. Hashtag Operation Moe. Uh, here's a great uh, medium post that I found. I'll, I'll post these links in the show notes. Uh, it's a counterattack to the Mary Sue's war on cuteness in anime. A single 1200 word, 1200, yeah, 1200 word article uh, constitutes a war, a, a full, not a battle, but a war, a war. on Moe. And there's this uh, this picture of like a tank with Moe girls in maid costumes or in maid uniforms, I suppose, uh, with with guns. Uh which really, like, on every level is the sort of alt-right Trump supporter, like, Twitter <laughs> avatar thing. Uh, I just want to really, uh, I mean, this guy's, this guy's, uh, this guy's got a, a <laughs> description on here. Dabbling realist, skeptical, classical liberal, cultural libertarian, uh, which is exactly what I, w- I think I would have expected from this article. Uh, fedora enthusiast. Fedora enthusiast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm really into uh, reason and uh, logical fallacies. <laughs> so, importantly, the first major point that this guy brings up is the age of consent in Japan is indeed 13. So this is where, I mean, the best part about this is these are the old arguments we would right. all have like six years ago or something. <laughs> like, it's the same exact arguments where everybody's like, well, the age of consent is, is 13. Uh, also, like, this guy somehow like acknowledges the whole fact that it's not really 13, but still says that it's an argument for Moe, even though effectively the age of consent is about the same in America and Japan. It's a, it's, but that's always struck me as a weird argument. Like yeah. even when people acknowledge, well, like it's more like 16 or 18. The fact that you cite it is like, I should be allowed to beat off to Japanese kids if they're 13. Like, right. that's like, what? Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting, too, because it focuses on the law itself yeah. and ignores, like, Which the moral like, aspect. Well, actually, <laughs> yeah, she's 14. Like, but the, the thing about that that always bugged me is, like, well, why do you think the age of consent isn't 13 in the United States? Because we decided morally that that wasn't okay. okay. So, like, ju- it's not, we're not saying, like, well, uh, these things are bad, because it's illegal in the U.S. Right. Like, no, it's illegal in the U.S. because we decided these things are bad. Yeah, and like, in, in most of the prefectures in Japan, right. they also, also decided they it was bad. They also decided it was bad. They also decided, like, you should not be having sexual relationships with children. Uh, yeah, there's always the classic argument that, like, these characters aren't real. Uh, but I think the, the important thing about the Mary Sue article is it didn't even claim that, like, them, if I remember correctly, like, that them being 
underage is the like inherent problem. It's more like the way it depicts femininity, right? Right. Because like, yeah, the, them being underage is just like creepy, but it yeah. doesn't harm anybody directly. I think like, the crux of her argument was that when you have that, that Moe sets unrealistic standards for how... Uh, yeah. I guess teenage girls should aspire to be, which is just like cute and childlike and, and uh, having qualities that would make men want to protect you. And I think that was like sort of her. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is like a fairly reasonable thing to want from media. Like it's sure, like not everything needs to be like that, but I don't think that, I mean, that's kind of the argument that I've always made about Moe. Yeah. Like on some level it's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's these kind of unhealthy views of women that like they, and, like, I'm not even projecting this. this is literally what Moe, like, what some contingent of Moe people think is, like, the ideal woman is kind of, like, you know, can't fend for herself and must be protected and, like, all of that, right? Like, I just, I don't think that's, like, that's fine if that, if there's something that's like that. I don't like that an entire medium that I'm otherwise interested in is permeated by that sentiment about women. Yeah, well, and, and for me, like I said, like, I think a lot of it is, like, intent versus aesthetics, right? You have a show, like, Shiro Bako that has a lot of super cutesy characters, but like I don't, don't think the intent like, yeah, is yeah. to like you know subjugate women or anything. Well, I mean, D David would probably like it if we could figure out a way to claim that Shiro Bako is subjugating women, so that we can just do a big Shiro uh, Bako hate cast. Yeah, actually, I'm alright with Shiro Bako. David's David's anti Shiro Bako. I love Shiro Bako. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, it's that it's that thing where though we're like that world is entirely constructed to let these people live out some unrealistic fantasy like being extremely successful with their first two anime productions <laughs> basically you'd never see an animator just collapse and become ill at their desk when working which is the real at anime industry in shirobako unlike in the real anime industry where it's all a grind really all right so i so we get, we got to move on, but I do want to point out that not long after talking about the Wait, age so of consent Shiro in Japan, Bako is the Project Runway of anime. It's the Project Runway of anime. <laughs> uh, so this this article after after this guy talks about the uh, age of consent, uh, his next point is all about Oriimo and uh, uh, fucking your sister. So uh, case closed on that. Uh, last thing is, of course, Kotaku in action jumped in on it. So I found a, a thread on the GamerGate uh, Reddit board kotaku in action or subreddit whatever you call those things i don't know i don't go on reddit except to sometimes check for uh updates to no man's sky oh. <laughs> which we'll talk about yeah so this is great the the top top post here is where someone claims that social justice warriors are basically anti-semites <laughs> that uh, they want to always claim that men are sexist in the same way that some people accuse jews of being conniving and money grubbing so they're the same thing. Uh, men are beautiful. Women are beautiful. These people, I lack words to describe their foul nature. A bridge troll would wretch and disgust at these kinds of opinions uh, of someone who said, I, uh, I think that Moe is problematic sometimes. <laughs> That's <laughs> a bridge troll would wretch. This is the same thing as Anita Sarkeesian, where like Anita Sarkeesian comes out and he's like, hey, you know what? Uh, sometimes games are not nice to women. And people are like, I can't believe this. This is an affront to my video game fandom. Wait, I like that his argument was like, I think all men and w women are beautiful except you, you terrible <laughs> troll human. Except for 3DP bitches <laughs> who are disgusting. 
All right, all right. We talked way too long about Moe. Uh, I feel like we we maybe didn't land on a real point there, but uh, <laughs> you know, final thoughts on the on Operation Moe. My final thought is, uh, I think you should let people say whatever they want to on the internet. Yeah. Unless you're being super hateful and threatening to kill and rape people, because that's not cool. That's, yeah, don't say that. That's like that's like too far. Yeah. But you are restricting their freedom of speech, just so you know. You are just as bad as a government censor by saying that you'd rather that they not harass people. Uh, their First Amendment rights have been uh, have been compromised, and you will be arrested. I'm going to go give everyone government Zika is what I'm going to do. <laughs> but that the problem is that all of Zika is a government Zika. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's a big government conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We shouldn't. We'll cut that out of the show so that nobody knows. Um, SJW Zika. I mean, for me, it just it really the the whole thing here is like if you're gonna write if if you sitting there listening, you're like I'm I'm gonna write a great like opinion piece all about Moe about how like how I think Moe's bad. You know what? Stop. Don't do Stop. it. Don't do it. Don't, do don't it. write it. that article. But uh, <laughs> don't ever don't, don't ever say the word Moe in it. Like just use a different word to describe what you're talking about. Right, like Poe. Poe. My yeah, that's that's when Edgar Allan Poe is like just like Kuhn Kuhn, Tashi no Kade wa Raven. My favorite champagne. No way. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like describe your like describe what you're actually talking about because like using the word Moe is is the perfect way to get all these gamer gators to show up and like post pictures of anime girls in tanks and stuff like just don't do it just like actually talk about like mo is too much of like a weird keyword that doesn't actually mean anything it's like a buzzword thing don't do it zika welcome to the zika podcast yeah, so if, what about you david final thoughts on this before we uh, go to space so i think i think being ironic is fine and all especially being ironic online <laughs> uh but there's there's probably a line uh that people cross when you know you're like you know threatening to kill people yeah so that's that's not moe killing is killing not is moe. not moe. killing is not moe killing is not moe <laughs> that's the real final thought there all right well uh <laughs> i think all these people who should who are uh who are posting mean things about the mary sue should be jettisoned into outer space as we were when we <laughs> started playing no man's sky <laughs> Also, arguably, the transitions are getting better every well every time. We arguably, do this. if you go on Reddit, um, uh, Sean Murray, creator of No Man's Sky, should also be jettisoned into, into space. Into space. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you, I saw that you were on Twitter. You were playing No Man's yes. Sky. Are you still playing No Man's Sky? No. Ah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> I am no longer playing No Man's Sky. I am a No Man's Sky. More like all men's disappointment. Oh. More like hashtag not all men's sky. <laughs> I already made that joke on Twitter. That's a good one. <laughs> all right, so no man's sky for context. I actually like we had all these notes. I should probably look at them because I wrote down stuff so I wouldn't forget. Uh, <clears throat> no man's sky is created by a uh, studio called Hello Games. It's got like ten people in it. They're in the UK, and uh, they're like the guy that you see uh, every day in the in the the like hipster coffee shop is the head of the studio. It's Sean Murray. He's got like a weird scraggly beard. He's probably a nice guy. <laughs> uh, so they, uh, they revealed this game at the VGX awards in December, 2013 took a long time for this thing to actually come out. And uh, no man's sky is a open world space exploration game that had a bit of a PR problem in that 
Sean Murray was basically in charge of describing it to people. And this guy's a dev. And he was like, this game is going to be amazing. He's got this like British accent. It's like, it's very like, <laughs> he's Moe. Sean Murray is very Moe. Is he Moe? Oh. Have you seen it? Have you seen like no. Sean Murray talk? Oh my God. He's so Moe. He's like, oh. he's got this like very quiet little voice. He's like, I like the shins. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but he probably does. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they, they announced it and Sean Murray like came out at, at E3. This is the big one that sold everybody on it, right? The E3 2014. Like, I, I don't know if you were watching, like, how, were you keeping up with yeah. the news of it well, before? the PR problem was they had too much PR. But, yeah, I know, I know. But I'm saying like, I don't know, like <laughs> yeah. some, some people like didn't really pay a ton of yeah. attention to it, but like, and I kind of stopped paying attention to it after a certain point, but yeah, like at E3 2014. Yeah. Did it you was, watch that? It was sold as like the promised land. Yeah. Like what, what was your reaction when you saw it at E3 2013? <laughs> to 14? be honest, I was unimpressed. Really? Because I had, uh, not that long ago, like prior to the, the, the E3, had played a mobile game that looked remarkably similar. And so when my boyfriend was like, oh man, doesn't this game look amazing? My first response was like, well. well no Man's Space wasn't that good. <laughs> so I don't have a lot of faith in this new one. Uh, I told him that I don't like inventory. Oh my god. Well, how did you pick first... up that it was that much inventory I just management? Knew. I, because they didn't because even show they, that in like the demo. I know because <laughs> there's no way you're gonna have a game where you can just explore infinitely without inventory management. So I saw that trailer and I was Whoa. like, oh, you figured well, it out. You, that's the whole game. I don't want to manage my inventory. And then yeah, so we had an <laughs> argument. He's like, How do you even see that? It doesn't show that at all. I'm like, no, no, it's there. He's like, no. And so we had this argument. Wow, we picked the right guest here. <laughs> and I figured out no man's sky in an instant. Because the, 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 the smartphone game, I don't remember the name of it anymore, but it's like you go to all these planets and then before you can leave, you have to mine for carbon and you have to mine for whatever. And I was like, this oh, game is going to be exactly like that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and yet I wanted to play it anyway because it was still sold as like the well, promised land. Yeah. So, I mean, like the concept of it was, is great. It's like a procedurally generated universe. Uh, every planet is different, which is true. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, like the sort of there's also this idea of it being like a shared universe everybody's in the same universe the the planets are there for everyone uh with a sort of vague promotion of some sort of multiplayer that murray never really detailed uh and the idea that it's it's like it's like a minecraft completely like how do you want to play it right do you want to focus on combat do you want to focus on exploration do you want to be a miner like (laughs) uh you know like a yeah in japan japan that would mean you're under 13 but you know uh (laughs) In America, sitting under 18. Uh, so, no, like a space miner, like, like mining rocks. Uh, so, What's the age of consent in space? <laughs> in space, no one can hear you uh, argue about uh, Japan's cultural <laughs> uniqueness. And So if you're, if you're like moving at the like, speed light or whatever it was in Gunbuster, and you're like 13 at the time... And then you come back to Earth like five billion years later or whatever it was. Uh, I guess you're like five million and thirteen, right? So it's cool. This is like anime. It's logic. cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, is this like she's a cool. goddess? Is this she's like from Earth, or are we considering this from like the spaceship? That's yeah. What, what's the what's the age of ridiculous. What's the age of consent at the speed of light? <laughs> If you think about it, this uh, moving move while on. you're moving at the speed of light, you're in a libertarian's paradise. All right, like every <laughs> nothing is true, <laughs> everything is permitted. And goddamn it, I'm not paying taxes on your space station. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're talking way too much about space politics. This isn't a Gundam podcast. So, 
So like, I didn't recognize that, right? I was I was duped right. when I first okay. saw the the No Man's Sky video because like, looking back on it, like it implies a lot, but it doesn't really lie. Like everything doesn't you see lie? in the game, the video itself, like what you saw at E three twenty fourteen, like it's there, Isn't right? It? You're just seeing a sort of. You're seeing the best of of it's, things that can can actually happen in the game, and it's like flying through like a bunch of freighters while a space battle is happening. Like, yeah, but the space battles were terrible. That, a, B. I don't know about you. Maybe you had better luck than me, but all of my planets looked awful. You're skip. You're skip skipping ahead that, a little bit here, but yeah, that means, yeah. That's like that's that's the same way of lying in the way that McDonald's lies in the <laughs> yes. like, where everything's made out of blue. <laughs> But they make it look like it's, it's like beautiful. beautiful. Like I, I think it's, I think it's just like a, they selected the best parts of it. But the problem is, like you're rolling the dice, right? That's like, that's like I don't know. I'm gonna say a really simplistic example of being like, uh, <laughs> like if you're trying to advertise D and D, and you're like, you kill all these monsters, and then you play it, and you keep getting a bad dice roll, and you're like, I keep dying against these monsters, and it's like, yeah, it's random. Like sometimes, but it'll be crap. Like <laughs> that's life. And I'm not gonna totally defend No Man's Sky here. Like to be clear, I'm. I just don't think that they was like outright lying. I think it was just like like everybody. It because it was randomized. It made it really easy for everyone to only see the best version of it in their head. Right. There's a really great video on YouTube that someone made, and and maybe I think it originated on Reddit somewhere, where they have part of the the game's e3 trailer and they're playing the music for jurassic park right and there's the old dude being like welcome to jurassic park and he's playing the theme and then it cuts to real gameplay and then someone's like harmonica version of jurassic park and it's like i don't know if you want to like oh, the best part though perfect. the best part in that video has to be like the dinosaur yes, looking guy yes it's so that, because good. you compare that from the trailer to the one that this guy found. <laughs> right, because all the animals are fucked up. Because like, they're, so, they're just like so these mix and match like chimeras <laughs> of different animals smashed together. Uh, they make that like Full Metal Alchemist girl look look totally cool oh, and God, great. Nina. <laughs> Nina Sky. Yeah. Like, so yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, you started talking about it basically. Like the, we were going to get into the real story about No Man's Sky is the sort of like the Mary Sue article. It's like it's the reaction and the sort of the release debacle of it. Right. right. Like more so than the game itself that like this game came out and people were like, if you read because I, I don't go on Reddit a lot, but Reddit was, has got a pretty good like community around. It. I, I don't want to say pretty good, pretty vibrant community full of idiots. Uh, <laughs> vibrant. But it's, it's, it's because because Hello Games has not been very good at like updates at like saying when the updates come out. Reddit's where I go to just check if there are updates. But like if you search in there, you find these posts where people were like, uh, so so what are you going to do? Are you going to like take over a whole space station and then be like in charge of the space station and then go out on pirate raids and kill other players like things that were just like none of that was ever in the game. Nobody ever said you could do that. But people like got the, this version of the game in their heads based on these videos and Hello Games and Sean Murray didn't really do anything to dispel those because they were always coming at it from this very vague perspective. Like Murray was basically talking about the game, like like the way the game would make you feel. But until like right before release, never really talked about what the game actually was. Are we ever going to talk about the part where Evan bought a PlayStation 4 to play this game? I did not 
Did you really? Entirely. It wasn't entirely to play it, but I mean, it was, yeah, it was part of it. It was like, eventually. Oh, he didn't even deny it entirely. No, 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 oh. I wouldn't deny it entirely. I definitely bought the PS4 in part because I was like, at some point, yeah, like, I would really want to play that game. But also because, like, I wanted to get some kind of, one of the, the consoles. Right. Like, it's basically that No Man's Sky pushed me toward the, the PS4 instead the funny, of Xbox One. Like, the funny part is that even if he says that, like, if he didn't buy it partly for No Man's Sky, then the other part is that he bought it for Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, that is partially true, yeah. And that's the. That's I, so the I've got a bad track record. Just yeah. <laughs> <together>. <laughs> so, like, the the game had a day one patch that apparently, if you played it without the day one patch on PS4, like, or on on PC too, I think. Are you playing PS4 or PC actually? PS4. Okay, so like. Without that day one patch, apparently the game, like the animal diversity on these planets is completely like, like awful. Uh, there's a bunch of like things that are apparently just broken about it. Like it's almost unplayable. Right. And so this day one patch, like, sure, I'm okay. I'm kind of okay with that. Whatever. Like it comes out on the first day. Right. Like it's the game, right? I'm not going to judge it based on the, the release version, but it sort of highlighted a, a problem. Like the game came out super, super buggy on PC and fairly buggy on PS4. Uh, at on launch day and the interesting part about this is that like it's not very good and i think that uh, most of the complaints actually come down to just the game is not very good not but very people good. are talking about like oh they lied and whatever and right. a little bit but mostly it's just not very good it's and and they made you think it was going to be good not you but everybody else who wasn't <laughs> duped yeah or was duped <laughs> well it's peter molyneux problem right. there where you promise the world well, they promised. They the promised universe. a lot of. Worlds. They did. They promised multiple <laughs> universes, and when you go to new universes, there's nothing there except more universes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at least Molly New came out like smelling like a bed of roses every time that he failed to live <laughs> up to his uh, his promises. So when we take something like the scale of the universe, uh, the reaction has been really, really uh, interesting yeah. to say the so, least. So I mean, like the. The issue that I've really, I mean, you, you nailed it with like the inventory management, right? The inventory management is really obnoxious. The in, the interface, David, you haven't played this game. Will I ever? David, <laughs> David, this interface on the PS4, I guess this is what Destiny did. You move around a cursor Ugh. and you have to long press on everything in the menu. There's no like like That's sticking awesome. to, you know, like a grid or something like right. in a usual video game. Uh, it's it's also like the camera there's a camera that moves with the cursor in the interface so you have to do that while managing your inventory and moving things back and forth which i'm kind of cool with i'm like a little bit of a, a sucker for inventory management games as long as the inventory management is not bad which it kind of is but like it's like i can stomach some inventory management i think it's kind of interesting it's just like right. moving things around optimizing whatever uh it's kind of like just busy work like i like minecraft which does that too right uh and, but the thing is, and this is where it really comes down to it for me, is like, because I don't even care too much about the diversity, like lack of diversity or whatever on planets. It's that the game does not have a meaningful gameplay loop in it anywhere. Like Minecraft right. does. Minecraft has the loop of like, you wake up, you're naked, you have nothing, right? right. It's going to be nighttime and the monsters are going to kill you. Figure it out, right? Yeah. And that's your game loop. Yeah. And you, you just try to like get better and better at staying alive and like just having this like uh, whatever whatever it is you build a castle or in my case you build like a bunch of weird like tunnels in the ground but either way your goal in a survival game of minecraft is like stay alive as ambitiously as possible right just like do a bunch of cool stuff to stay alive yeah 
And that's, that's not like, what do you do? Even from like an open world perspective, what do you do in No Man's Sky? Nothing. You can't. Like, so yeah. the, the, my problem with No Man's Sky is that like, you know, it's sort of fun for like the first four yeah. or five hours until, you know, you, it dawns on you that the game is completely pointless. And I guess the, the, the real slap in the face is that when you do finally like follow this path of Atlas that they set out for yeah, you, there's you like get the three to the middle of the universe and whatever. And spoiler alert, the ending is that there is no ending. You just yeah, doesn't keep it just doing restart the same you? thing yeah. over and over again. And there's not there enough like diversity on these planets where each planet is even different. So there was some dude on Reddit who was able, basically, he was able to max out everything. Yeah. You, inventory slots. One of everything. the main. One of the main. By staying things. on one planet. Yeah. You don't need to go to new planets. Right. Every planet has everything that you need. Well, oh yeah. Okay. Well, I wanted to touch on the the before we get to that, I wanted to talk, touch on the in, inventory thing because really the only meaningful there's only two meaningful like goals in the game. Right. And one of them is get more inventory yeah. slots because you and I do find that interesting. You start with a small number of inventory slots and because the game's all about inventory like you want to get a ship with more inventory, right. you want to get your suit to have more inventory, right. you want to be able to store more stuff so you can make more money so you can get more spots for stuff. But of course that maxes out, right? Like, it's like Minecraft a metaphor for life. I know, right? <laughs> oh wow. But like again, Minecraft doesn't max out. Minecraft yeah. doesn't have an artificial limit to how much you can do that. It doesn't say like, well you can't build anything more now, yeah. right? You can always just sort of keep going. Uh and yeah, the other one is like, yeah, just try to try to explore and reach like reaching the center yeah, of the galaxy is yeah. pointless. I guess the idea is that you would explore. But, you know, so so the game has this system in where you can like scan plants and, right. and rocks and and animals and whatever. And you can log them into your system. And you get some money for it. But then you also realize that that's pointless because it's because of this infinitely generated universe. You can yes. infinitely do that. So there's no well, point. And there's no the the issue is that exploration I just think inherently does not it's not as appealing when when yeah like like you said with the infinitely generated universe yeah. like survival is interesting right cuz survival yeah. is always like always going to be kind of different as long as you can design the game around that like there's always going to be a different story that you have to tell right. about like oh I just barely got out of that alive but right? it's really hard to die in that game well that's the thing it doesn't yeah. work as a survival game cuz it's too easy yeah uh, and we'll get to the thing about resources, right? But like on on planets. But yeah, with like the exploration thing, the there is some interesting biological diversity, I think. But it's so like it's really difficult to find that. Right. And it's almost like I would argue this actually ties into the point about resources. There's actually there's too much biology around. Like because the game doesn't give you just purely barren worlds. Like it very rarely does that, like where there's nothing on it. I feel like that actually makes it less impactful, like because you just end up finding all these planets that are like, well, it's got an atmosphere and a bunch of mushrooms. Yeah. Right. Like it might even be more interesting if like half the planets you found were just rocks and you stopped in for a second and you were like just a rock. But then you get to one and yeah. it's a jungle world yeah. and you're like, oh, whoa, like I finally found something. Right. But there aren't a lot of jungle worlds either. Like there, there, there's no. That I think is OK. There's. I, I think it would be rewarding if once every few planetary jumps you would get to a world that I think is more hospitable because then there's like a certain beauty in being the first person to discover this like beautiful hospitable world. Right. Like a world in which you think that like, oh, I could I could build something here. Like it would have been a great game. But if, you can't build anything. But you can't build anything. <laughs> and I think it would be beautiful 
if you right. could be like, okay, this is the planet. Like I have searched far and wide and yep. like my journey is complete. I'm going to build a settlement here. And theoretically I could send my coordinates to someone and they could come visit me. And that would have been, yeah. oh, that yep. would have been great. Yep. I mean, like, the, because isn't that the point of life is to like eventually like you find something and then you you, and, yeah, you, yeah. you set down roots, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's the that's the other thing I think that's really really important is there's no sense of setting down roots at all. Yeah. And again, Minecraft, like the easiest thing for me because I love Minecraft, right? And like to me, they're very similar games in what they were trying to do. Uh, but in Minecraft, like inherently, there is a sense of setting down roots, and there's not even a game mechanic for it. Yeah. Like it's, I guess the bed kind of is that, but even that is like arguable. Like Minecraft just inherently is like, look, you're going to die out at night unless you're well prepared. You're, you need a place to sleep. You need a place to wait out the night. And so inherently the game tells you like, you got to make a home. Yeah. You got to have a home base, right? Like yeah. build yourself a home base. Uh, and that creates this sense of like, you live here, yeah. you live here and you take expeditions out of here, but in no man's sky, like arguably that's what your ship is, but right. your ship is just a cockpit. Like right. it doesn't have like a sense of home. Right. And to get a ship with bigger inventory, you have to replace it with a new ship. So you right. don't even get a sense of like, like connection yeah. to your ship. <laughs> it, if, if you think about, like for me, what I've always like respected about space and the enormity of space is that there, there is something like deeply, I guess, disturbing like when you think about like the enormity yeah. and the the blankness and vastness of space, and I appreciate that aspect of No Man's Sky where you could just travel You're forever. Lonely. Yeah, it is incredibly lonely. But you know, when you think about every story ever that's told about people's journey through space, there is a destination or there is a point. Right, you are traveling through space because you need to find a new home, or you are traveling through space because you need to whatever broker some deal with something yeah like there is finding a new home is really yeah, yeah. i mean and, and, and that's something that i think grounds humans like there is like there's there's a point to your 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 travel there's a point to your wandering even when you read great books or novels like fiction or nonfiction about people even who travel on earth yeah <clears throat> the central theme is that you travel and you find all these things and you learn all these great things but what it what it ultimately what it gives you is a sense of self and a sense of home yeah, and when I really think about it, like the game, a lot of a lot of my issues with the game, I feel like like slight tweaks to it could have created that that gameplay loop that it needs. Like, if you could build stuff, and they and back on the point about resources, if the planet, like the the planets all have like, I guess for balance reasons, they have everything you could need. Like, yeah. you need plutonium to lift your ship off. Planets have roughly equal distributions mm -hmm. of plutonium, regardless of where you go, right? So you can always you can always actually like lift off and leave, right? Like. If planets didn't have that, right, then it would be interesting to be, like, stuck on a planet where maybe there's plutonium somewhere, right. but it's, like, really rare, right? right? Or it's, like, you you build you build a settlement, if you could build a settlement, with their, which they're reportedly working on adding, like, you could build a settlement on a planet, and maybe you're, like, you know, you're building it bigger and bigger, but, like, now you're out of resources, right? right. Like, that's the sort of Minecraft-esque emergent right. story that could happen, where you're, like... I, you know, I'm getting more ambitious here, but I can't do it here. I love this planet, but like, I need to leave. I yeah. need to find a new yeah. home. Right. And that's the only story you need because that can keep going forever. And that's right. a story where you just try right. to do better and better and you need to keep moving. Right? Yeah. And, you know, and, and it would be nice. Like if you, if you could build a settlement and then like send someone your coordinate and right. they could, they could come see you and see your settlement or whatever. And then there's, there's that sort of aspect of like human interaction that I think, Otherwise, so you just talk to like the same five aliens that are infinitely. Which also, spawned. the aliens are like everywhere. They're everywhere. E evenly distributed yeah. across every planet. 
Like, there's no sense that you are coming across a place that's never been discovered before. Right. Like, there's aliens everywhere. Like, there's oh, aliens wow. Everywhere. Okay. <laughs> they all live in, they, they have little micro right. settlements. Like, they all live in the same tent or whatever yeah. weird, like, dome type thing. And so, like, the, like, so you don't even have, like, complete desolation of, your Crash space landing on yeah. a on a planet that that has no life on it. Right. And you're like, I, how do I survive? Right. right. Yeah, and also so it's just pointless. I mean, yeah, it's you you brought up the point, point about about meeting other players, which is the yeah. really big thing that people got pissed about with this game, uh, which is Murray. This is the one part that I think Sean Murray either lied about or just didn't you know update people when he had to remove it from the game or something. Is people asked like, so can you meet your friends? in the game yeah. like straight up and he was like well the chances are very low because the universe is huge and players are going to be very spread apart the goal of the game is not to meet up with people like as if that would make anybody not try to meet up right, right. like of course people are going to want to meet up i don't know why he thought that that would like discourage people right? right uh and two players found each other's like coordinates and they they met at the same planet did you hear about this no oh yeah what so okay. this is like day one, of okay. course, right? right. Somebody, because you can name planets sure. and upload them, right? Uh, so somebody saw a username there and they're like, oh, snap. Like They recognized that person yeah. and they contacted them. They were like, all right. And they both got on Twitch and they like landed on the same space station, stood in the same spot, couldn't see each other. What's the point? There's no, there's, I mean. So then that's, there's that's no a multiplayer. Lie there is no so multiplayer. You can't meet anybody in it. And the worst is like Murray... This is the one part that I'm angry about. The rest of it, I think Murray was just like being in, like being yeah. naive and stupid and just like shouldn't have said as much as he right. did or should have like honed it through a PR person, right? The day before release, he tweeted, the game is a single player experience. Don't expect a multiplayer experience. And people were angry, but, it, you know, it's like, okay, fine. Sure. At least yeah. you said it, right? Yeah. And then he responds to that tweet and goes like, uh, just to be clear, it, there's very low chance that you'll meet another player. Like, why do that? <laughs> because he thinks that nobody is going to try. Right. Right? Like, he thinks, like, no way people in this infinite universe are going to try to find each other. So but of he's course, betting, like, of course the human nature, it. right? Yeah. Like, like, of course we all want to find each other. Like, yeah. that's, that's like a very poetic sort of yes. like... <laughs> I mean, he even compared it to Journey at one point, which, like, he wanted... He said they were trying to add features like Journey. At least he said trying to, right? And Journey is exactly that, like, like it's about... It's connection a metaphor for in life a, and death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like about connection in a, a this like sort of desolate world. Yeah. Right? Uh, the multiplayer thing is the one part that I just think was the most kind of egregious. Uh, I do think though it's interesting. I've talked about this on Twitter because we talked about finding like a home and things like that. One of the things I find interesting is despite all the issues with the game, people are doing interesting things with it. Yeah. It's a guy who like is trying to. I think he's still doing it. He's trying to walk around a planet in a complete circle. Huh. Right, like things like that, where people are taking a game yeah. that's pretty flawed, but but like still has a kind of interesting universe it's set up, yeah. and they're like putting their own restraints on it to make it more interesting. So like that's really interesting. There's all these stories of people like a guy who never left his first planet, right? Yeah. Like like wow, that's like turns out you can do everything you want. Yeah, but I mean, it's like a it, it's sort of like reading you know a human interest story in the newspaper where yeah. it's like No Man's Sky is just a world that exists, and there are interesting things happening in it that may not be your direct experience, but it's like interesting to read about it and. Similarly, when I go on that Reddit, one of the actually kind of most like beautiful, heartwarming things I see is people finding a really beautiful Earth-like planet and then just being like, wow, I found home. Hmm. Right. And it's like there's actually something really poetic about that. But if you can't build a settlement, what's I know. the point? <laughs> like the game's got other problems there, right? But right. I, I'm just saying like one of the things I, I found really fascinating is there's all these 
planets with like all these weird alien yeah. things going on. But everybody, like almost without fail, they all want to find Earth. Yeah. Like not not yeah. literally they want to find Earth in the game, but they're all like, oh, you know, it's close, but it doesn't have a blue yeah. sky. And it's like kind yeah. of beautiful that like people in this crazy video game world are yeah. just trying to find the planet they already live on. Somebody <laughs> online said something that I found really interesting, um, which is another thing that they wish the game had, which is that they wish that the planets had poles. The planets don't have different biomes. Yeah. And yeah. And, and that. that would actually like be, would make each planet much more interesting because otherwise you get to the planet, you make enough whatever to build your warp cell and then you go because there's no point in staying on that planet. Yeah, exactly. Because like any one square mile of a planet yeah. is going to be, I won't say identical, but like very similar very to the similar. rest of the planet. Like, I this I recommend like people I'll probably link it people check out this Kotaku article about like this guy who's walking around the planet because there is really f interesting stuff he says in there that like again is kind of like it's just people making their own thing out of it like he landed on this planet was like oh this is kind of boring but as he walked around yeah. it he was starting to be like you know like it's kind of interesting like you start to notice the the interesting variations right. as you go even though like maybe initially it just looks like it's all the same right and he also said that, like, eventually he started to kind of go crazy and lose track of direction and be sort of like, yeah, like it had a psychological effect on him that huh. he was just like, I think it was the the point where he, the planets, the other planets in the system dropped below the horizon yeah. and he felt like he oh, had lost a sense of like, yeah. of place now huh. that he didn't have something in the sky to look at. And it's like, that stuff is really fascinating to me yeah. because of the scale of the game makes it, makes the stories that take place in it feel a little bit yeah. more like the real world. I guess so. But I mean, I'm not going to say that, that makes the game like technically or gameplay wise uh, very well made. It's not. It's like it's, it's supremely it's, flawed, but very ambitious. And that's yeah. like always interesting. And I, I guess the problem is that, you know, when when you don't have when you have a game that doesn't have a central purpose, of yep. course, you can make your own purpose. Right, right. But it's it's hard not to feel. I, I, I don't know, like it's 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 senseless. Yeah. Like why why continue putting time into something that has no like productive outcome? Yeah, uh, I mean people said that about Minecraft, I guess, right? But but again, like but you can build my point was that Minecraft, Minecraft you yeah. can build and there is a, a meaningful survival yeah. loop to it that like I mean no yeah No Man's Sky survival doesn't even have that right yeah there's not because it's there's not like a loop to the survival it's just like sometimes you right. might die but it's pretty rare right like okay some like a space pirate might shoot you right. And that was frustrating because the space combat was terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's it's kind of not good. I've had a couple moments where it felt cool, but yeah. you don't move fast enough really for it to be interesting. And there's not like there's not enough interesting um, maneuvers and things you can do. Like you like one of the things I wanted to try to do, but you can't like stay still. I was like, there's these asteroids. And at one point I wanted oh, yeah, yeah. to shoot a little like section of an asteroid out and then sit inside the asteroid and like wait for people. <laughs> yeah. But you can't do that because you can you can't actually like completely break right. and stay still. I right. can't sit inside the asteroid. I'm always going to be moving it forward right. or backwards. So I was like, okay, that would have been cool if I could like. You, there's no you can't do anything fancy. You just can like fly or fly in a direction and like turn and shoot at the guys who are shooting at yeah. you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and you don't move very fast. It feels pretty sluggish. Like when you're moving in space. The parabolic flight drove me crazy. It was super buggy. Flight. So like, so if you knew um, something that you oh, were yep. wanting to go to was like twenty minutes away, right? So 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 the fastest way to get there 
would be to fly up and over. Yeah. And, but it was just, it was always hard to like get it just right. So like you, it would be because counting down. You'd be like 14 seconds, 13, 12, 10, 10, 10, yeah. 10, 10. Uh, like, mainly, mainly because your ship goes slower, the closer you are yeah. to the ground. And so like, if you're going in like this diagonal, yeah. it's hard to visualize like in radio, but like as you're going in the diagonal right yeah. toward the planet, I, I've definitely noticed this. It's like you are getting closer to it, but because you're getting closer to the planet, right. you're also slowing down. And so like the estimated time for you to get there stays yeah. the same. It's just so, like 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. And it, yeah. And it drove me crazy because it was so easy to overshoot those things too. Yeah. So like it, it was also just like it also made that kind of a chore rather than something that was interesting. And it's interesting because they did try to balance the game, I think, to avoid some of the the realistic space mechanics stuff yeah. that would make things a chore. I think they stopped planet rotation because it was confusing mm. for people. Like, they'd leave from a space station, yeah. get to the planet, then do some stuff, then leave, and the space station right. was gone because the planet had turned. Right. And they were like, oh, that's too annoying for people. Huh. Reportedly. I don't know if how much of that is fan theory. I don't know if I've read a, like an actual confirmed yeah. report that they did that because... Hello Games has not been very right. forthcoming with right. updates or news right. about the game. Like, they'll probably have an update to add base building yeah. in the next week or two. But, like, who knows when that's yeah. coming? Like, they'll just drop <laughs> it on people and they may not even put patch notes out. People will just be like, right. oh, look, now we can build bases. Right, because the question <laughs> is, like, did they turn off planetary rotation because it was annoying? Or did they not? Or did it right. not occur to them that planets rotate? Right? Like, no. Oh. well, no, that's the <laughs> problem is that's another thing that Sean Murray was like. All these other games, they just have skyboxes. But in our game, planets will really rotate around, and they'll, they'll revolve around around uh, s- like stars, and it'll have real planetary mechanics. Well, nope, every system is just a skybox that yeah. has a bunch of planets floating in yeah. it. Like it's better than the planets being skyboxes, right? Right. But but the system itself is just a skybox. Well, you can't actually like you can't fly into the sun. I wish you could. I wish you could explore the space stations more. They have one room. Yeah. Or they have a couple of rooms, What's but only like point? one alien. Yeah. There's nothing to do in the space stations. They're all the same. It's, oh, and then another thing that like at first I thought was sort of rewarding for a little bit is that like you can you can go to these different like temples and whatever yeah. and like you can learn, learn words. Language. I think that mechanic is actually great and I would love to see that in other games. The language mechanic. But everything in the game is so banal. Yeah. That like even if you it's were to like learn the space. language, like they're just saying like banal shit to you like it doesn't even matter yeah it's like a moe anime. hey interloper like a, do you have you carbon? cute things yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they're just an interloper you really yeah. like interloper so you've been hanging out with the viking yeah yeah yeah, yeah okay okay uh but i just to, to give context <laughs> on that mechanic because i actually think it's really interesting is like that was also in that smartphone game i played really yeah no I'm, I'm gonna find that game it's for you the same right, game i'm gonna yeah uh is that the uh the aliens speak in this, you know, they have the this language, right? And, like, it's a bunch of these words. It's all alien words. And uh, as you learn the words, it'll translate them one by one into English. And the interesting part is that, like, th- when they interact with you, it'll be like a puzzle where they'll say, like, they'll, they'll say what they want, but in their language. And if you know enough of their words, you can start to figure it out, but you might not totally understand it. So they might just be like, blah 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 interloper isotope and it's like oh well i need to give them an isotope but if you didn't know the word isotope you might give them some other kind of element and then they would attack you and it wouldn't work so this game's called out there uh what is that what is uh omega, omega. which one's that omega edition we're trying to read greek characters over here <laughs> <laughs> huh and and this game you know 
it's, I mean, it's honestly kind of the same game. Like, But it doesn't have the sort of free roaming. It doesn't have the free thing, roaming right? thing. Yeah, like, yeah. you would just go there and, and, and it would just be like a screen. But, but the idea is that, like, you are trying to get to the center of the galaxy or whatever it is. You're trying to get to some place. And along the way, you can meet aliens. You can learn words. And then... You can be stranded on planets. In this, you can actually die because if you if you if you if you go to a planet and you are running out of carbon and fuel, but you can only get carbon but not fuel or whatever, then you die and you start over. I kind of wish that No Man's Sky gave you those sorts of choices. Yeah, I where mean, you were like like where you didn't have enough resources and you were like, well, I'm just gonna starve to death. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, um, gotta kill these animals for food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like we sort of talked this talk this to death. Yeah. To quote the. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron movie Gravity I hate space <laughs> is that what she says yes. yeah <laughs> space sucks uh, go play Elite Dangerous I don't know if you should actually do that everybody keeps talking about like oh play Elite's better because it's got real physics or whatever like no I I feel like the kinds of people who will stop playing No Man's Sky to play Elite Dangerous are like obnoxious people anyway so uh, well, I think better yet uh, watch Gravity just watch Gravity Gravity's so good Unless I you're like Neil deGrasse Tyson, Interstellar Tyson's better. As, Whoa! As a, what? As a space what? Film. Yep. Interstellar's bad. No, I it's love a bad Interstellar. Movie. I love. You are <laughs> wrong. Interstellar is an incredible movie, and you've never been more wrong in your life. I think I've been more wrong. I bought a PS4 to get No Man's Sky. <laughs> <laughs> See, an admittance. Finally. <laughs> okay, we we are uh, we have taken a lot of time here, so let's answer a couple questions before we head out. I actually don't see any on Twitter, so let's read some email questions. Martin Innes on email asks us, I was watching This Art Club Has a Problem, great light novel anime titles, and I, as they added another uh, character this week, I realized that if the male lead were the main character, it could easily be a harem anime, but instead the main character is a girl with a crush on him. Can you think of any stories that breathe life into stale formulas by changing the perspective character, like the, the main character? Well, obviously, we're going to have to start talking about uh, Melancholy of Suzumiya Haruhi, right? That's a good... good sure? Yes. <laughs> Wait, maybe? I feel like I spoke before I thought, but maybe, <laughs> actually. So you're saying because, because um, Haruhi is the one with like, the powers. Because the interesting character is not actually the main character. It's a guy that's observing the interesting characters. Yeah, I feel like but that's, that's the harem thing. Done yeah. way, way back with you know like novels, like actual like books with <laughs> words. Oh yeah, in I mean them. that's what Sherlock Holmes is, um, right? Is like Watson is not interesting. Anime, I mean anime kind of is stepping towards slowly moving towards uh, sophistication. So <laughs> David's so down on anime Haruhi, today. <laughs> Haruhi is a uh, fine example, I think, of the not interesting characters looking at the interesting characters. And then by looking at these interesting characters, he himself becomes interesting in the way that he thinks and operates around these characters. Um, but we're talking about harem anime, right? Well, it's not, it doesn't have to be so, harem, but yeah. But I think another... I'm always gonna I'm always gonna pimp Monogatari, hmm. the uh, the Monogatari series here. So Monogatari is a harem that resolves itself in the first couple of episodes, and then the rest deals with the heartbreak of every girl that he meets, that for very complicated reasons has feelings and they can never be resolved in a way that makes anybody happy. 
Uh, you know what I talk about all the time, but it seems to always actually just be the answer to the questions people are asking is Pluto. Uh, Pluto is like a great example of this, right? It takes a story about Astro yes. Boy and then says yes. the main character here is that German detective, like robot detective who dies at the beginning of the original story. <laughs> but like, we'll make him the main character. He'll be the focus of everything. Uh, actually, I feel that's like a little bit of a Tezuka thing, too. Like, to some degree, that's what, um, well, this isn't, isn't Tezuka, but I say it's inspired by Tezuka because it clearly is. Like, 20th Century Boys kind of does that by making the story, like, largely about Kenji, and then, like, it turns out it's actually about Kana, his his niece. Uh, and, like, you kind of didn't realize that she was the interesting one until partway through the story. That's also, like, that's a bait-and-switch more than, like, the entire thing being about that character. You think of anything, Bamboo? I think there's a lot of spinoffs that i would even argue are better mm. than the original just because of you know like when you look at like i think um a certain scientific railgun is more interesting than oh i haven't seen those oh yeah yeah oh, oh yeah that is way more interesting than index oh okay hmm. and that sort of skirts the question because that's not even so much changing perspective as it is you are just allowing one character to develop more so i mean maybe that's different i don't know if i've ever seen a harem though where the like that would be weird, but it would be interesting. Like a harem series where the main character is one of the girls or guys in a reverse harem in the harem. But I think it'd be more interesting, like if the girl was not also a participant in it, but just right. like an observer. Mm. Like she just happened to move into this dorm where all these other girls are fighting to this for this guy, so she can sort of like comment on that. Like I think that would be kind of really interesting. Right, right, right. Where she's outside of the harem. Where she's outside yeah. of the harem looking in. Because, like, if she's part of the harem, then that's still... Well, yeah, it's just, it's interesting because, like, the the whole thing about harem, like, I feel like not a lot of people have taken, like, a really close look in their anime or manga at, like, like, there hasn't been, like, a big deconstruction of harems or something. Yeah. Because, like, everything in, like, all the harems are, they're generally, I mean, I guess you could say that with, like, if Monogatari is like that, I guess, David. But, like... Mm basically taking the harem and not just making it about like, wouldn't it be cool if all of these guys or girls were all over you all the yeah. time? Right. Yeah. Like, you know, I, have, I think I have to clarify what I said earlier, because it's mainly in the second season where you start to see the perspective of these other characters that in a, in a sense, they are out of the running in the harem. And it's kind of second season. A lot of is that growth where they say, okay, this is done. What's next for me now? Right. Yeah. I guess you would inherently not have a lot of deconstructions of harems because then that defeats the purpose of a harem, which is oh, to well, be yeah, like... Yeah. Pure wish fulfillment, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Zane Holland asks, the most recent episode of Sweetness and Lightning really got to me. If you're not watching it, you should. It's really good. In the last episode, it captured real emotion spectacularly. What other shows can you think of that do this very well and not in a melodramatic way, but portray real emotion? Kind of hard to describe what that is. Uh, I think that Moe is the only real emotion worth describing. <laughs> I, I, I think like Kids on the Slope was kind of like that. Yeah. I was about to say that's the counterexample because <laughs> I felt like everybody was super just almost almost like a, like just uncanny valley in terms of, you know, what's unreal and what's real. It was like it's in it's in the valley. It's not it's not there yet. It was at I think at the part where the main character throws his bucket of clams away or whatever it was that he was collecting and just kind of storms off in a huff where I said, oh, okay, so I'm kind of disengaged from the story now. I don't know. I part, part of it was just maybe my bias as a musician, but I felt like that 
show fairly accurately depicted like friendship as created through music like the way that the especially like the two guys interact just felt a lot like me and other musician friends and like you know playing together and sort of becoming better friends through that and you know just just kissing a whole lot no that doesn't actually happen in that does it (laughs) yeah it feels a little bit more about the music i think the music was probably the most convincing part but the relationship between uh well the love triangle between these two guys and this girls oh i like the way you you pointed out the real Mm. love triangle in kids on the slope there yeah the love triangle between these two guys and also this girl is there to watch i mean between the two guys it's actually really believable (laughs) it's like this this kind of like this jealousy but also this confusion because you don't know which one of the two you want because it's i mean like the glasses kid is obviously the main character, but in a lot of times he seems really unsure of whether, you know, he likes the girl or if uh, he likes the guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It was it was just still it's never clear cut, really. So I would give it a lot more credit if it was a lot uh, more decisive. Thankfully, this isn't a video show because nobody can see me cheating by just like looking at my posters on my wall to remind me of things. But I'd say only yesterday does a really good job with that. Uh, And like Takahata in general, like Grave of the Fireflies also has like really like I cite that very often as a good example of like conveying very emotional moments, both for the characters and the audience without using melodramatic devices. Like when they really when probably the most tragic moment of that movie hits that I would rather not spoil for anybody who hasn't seen it. You guys, I think, both know what I'm talking about. Like, wasn't that movie spoiled in like? I know, I know. 1940s. I'm just saying. Listen, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> the Japanese lose World War II. Uh, the saddest moment in that movie, though, like, is delivered by a character just saying like, "And then it happened." Yeah. And there's no music, and it's just like, "Yep, that's." I mean, that's the way life goes, and it's like it's heartbreaking, but it does it. I think in the way that like. A real person might where it's like they're just trying to hold in their like, you know, the emotions that they have and they're not gushing and Mario Kata-ing the world about it. They're just like, God, like shit, this is this happened. I'm glad that's a verb. There's a really great episode in Chihaifuru bringing mm. it back. I don't, it's either I want to say like episode 12 or 14 or one of those. And this is a slight spoiler, but because I can't talk about it without it being a spoiler. So if you haven't seen Chihaifuru, step away for a minute or something i don't know but there's throughout the entire series her parents are always creating scrapbooks for her daughter which she, or for, for sorry for her sister, for her sister. Right. yeah yeah who's um, like a model or something who's like a model yeah. she's like wildly successful they're always like making scrapbooks of her and and chihaya has just like you know during the series like you can see like she never feels like she's good enough she never feels like she's she's the 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 good daughter the best daughter and there's there's a moment like you know she comes home from like a competition she's like really down or something i don't even remember like the exact circumstance about it but she happens to to go past the bookshelf that her parents keep and you know there's like multiple volumes of scrapbooks that her her parents have made for her sister and and then she finds that her dad has also made a scrapbook for her Oh yeah, and it's yeah. like every like 
karuta competition that she's ever oh. been in. And I'm like, just thinking about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, no. yeah. But like in that moment, like it's it's there's no melodrama, right? right. It's just it's just, a pretty real moment that a, a person would actually real have. Moment, yeah. and it's it's like every time I think about it, I like cry forever. But it's I think there are moments like that that I think are like so real and like pure human emotion. Yeah, I mean, I, and that's what sort of makes. Shows well, like Jive would are really good too. Like, there's a lot of human emotion in that show. And a lot of them are basically just like it's it's showing instead of telling, right? Because yeah, a lot of exactly. times the emotions that we have as humans in real life are not like us. You know, this is why Mario Kata bothers me. It's not us just yelling them at each other. <laughs> right. It's like it's subtle. It's it's yeah. just like a little thing in the way that you know our face moves yeah. when we say it or something. Uh, I would say actually, uh, the end of Macross. Do you remember Love? Which is old enough that I will spoil it. Uh, like when when they finally beat the for a movie that's like full of like melodrama, yeah. right? Like when they finally beat the these Zentradium, whatever, and like it's because uh, like it's a combination of everybody, right? All the three characters, like Minmei and Hikaru and Misa, and I guess Minmei has already found out that like Hikaru picked Misa or whatever, right? And I, I wrote about this on Anagamers, like she just. Uh, She's got the little slip of paper with the lyrics on it that Misa wrote that she sang. And so they basically work together to like beat the bad guys. And she just she just like holds it up over her head and looks up at Misa. And it's it's like a, it's a white flag. And she just looks at her and Misa just like nods. And that's it. Like, it's just like you won. <laughs> like, And that's great. That's like she doesn't yeah. say anything. It's just it's just this like kind of quiet. Like she's just acknowledges her like you did it. <laughs> Would you categorize Shinkai films as melodramatic or real emotion? He's pretty melodramatic. Like, he's definitely like an exaggeration. I think it's a beautiful exaggeration, yeah. but it's an exaggeration of real yeah. life. Yes, there's some I love Five Centimeters. I, was I think just Five about Centimeters to say, is I like love perfect, that movie. But it is definitely over the top in how it depicts real people. All right, so another one. Uh, last email, I think. Dylan Dumay says, after listening to the Otakon podcast, I had some questions about panels. Can anyone submit for a panel? Um, he's not an official anime scientist or anything. That's because we did the science and anime panel, just a fan. Uh, it's a pretty long email, so I won't I won't go through all of it. Um, but he's basically asking, like, what does it take to be an anime con panelist? It's a pretty simple question. Um, well, if we look at some of the worst panelists we've seen, uh, nothing. <laughs> Submitting an application. You do not have to be an expert to run a panel. I would caution you, though, to, like, you know, if you want to run a good panel, you probably should do some research. Uh, I always recommend like doing more research than you think you need to do. Know more about the subject than you have time to talk about. If you're going to talk for an hour, uh, be confident enough in the subject that if someone comes up to you after that hour, you could possibly talk to them for another hour and still have new things to say. <laughs> that way you can like, it's easier to improvise. It's easier to just kind of come up with stuff on the spot because you know what you're talking about. Like, well, I feel like that's the Evan. Mode that's the of Evan paneling. mode of paneling for sure. For sure. That is uh, a very tall order, I think. It's, yeah, <laughs> I don't I honestly like a, little, a lot of like the decent ish panels that I see that aren't like super great. They maybe do half of the effort that you put in. You do put in a very uh, perhaps almost unrealistic level of effort the way you can expect from yeah, uh, a novice maybe, panel. Maybe. Uh, and I definitely didn't do that when I first started doing panels. Right. Uh, but you definitely don't need to be an expert. You, and I'm like, who declares that we're experts anyway. Right. Like we're just people who sometimes write about these things. 
kind of it kind of helps to rattle off a few panel ideas that you sh- shouldn't do like um <laughs> ask me anything i am i'm like i'm this character hello it's me i'm a country uh, from hitalia please talk yes. to me don't do that panel uh, uh any any panel that turns the mic towards the yep. audience in the first five or minutes. the first uh f- no i'm gonna put a some more rigor on that you should not be turning the mic back on the audience until the last 15 minutes. You should have at least 45 minutes of content, regardless of what it is you're doing. Unless your panel is like intended to be audience discussion, but that's like so I think it's possible to do that right. I've done it before and I thought it went okay, but it was like a miracle that it went okay. It was when we did like fandom and criticism or whatever, where like every question we turned it back to the audience for like an answer or two. Somehow, maybe it's a self-selecting audience that did not huh turn into a disaster uh that's yeah definitely don't do that don't um don't do a panel where you uh, extensively moe. make the argument yeah just don't talk about moe no that's that's a well yeah don't use the word moe really uh don't extensively talk about your pet theory that all anime is inspired by sleeping beauty like that one guy at anime next <laughs> uh basically uh hash out your ideas a little bit yeah. more um send them to yeah. me so i can steal them huh <laughs> no actually that's a good idea actually, send them to somebody else so that they can take a look yeah. and see if you're crazy or not actually yeah please don't like send them all to me because i don't have time to vet Do everybody not. else's panel ideas <laughs> um yeah that's a general general advice there. send them send it to somebody and go to a lot of other panels like go to go to panelists who are awesome like that's why i do this stuff because i went and saw mike and daryl and like forget who else i saw before i started doing panels but like i, I saw all these people and i was like wow they were in great panels. I want to do stuff like that. And then I copied them. Uh-huh. So <laughs> uh, don't read the entire PowerPoint uh, word for word. Don't read the entire PowerPoint word for word. All the time. But do read Jonathan Clement's anime history cover to cover and the anime encyclopedia cover. No, you don't need to read those cover to cover. But do not read the slide. Do not do like that monster Musume panel we went to where the guy had a five paragraph essay on every slide and read it and didn't even get to the porn until like 20 minutes later. I mean, if... You can disappoint Evan with porn. That, <laughs> that is a bad panel. <laughs> Be like the Gachi Muchi panel. Oh, God. <laughs> the Gachi Muchi panel. <laughs> Genericon. That was a great panel. Oh, that was my favorite panel of the year. It was It was pretty pretty out there. I was not prepared for the Gachi Muchi panel at like 2 a.m. at Genericon. <laughs> You know, I've also been to some panels where I thought the idea of the panel was good, but the presentation was terrible. Oh, yeah, like No Man's Sky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I feel like maybe, you know, it it wouldn't be a bad idea to even, like, go online and just watch, like, other people's oh, yeah. talks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, like, not anime talks, but oh, just yeah, talks. Yeah, yeah. Just like, watch, about, like, TED Talks. Yeah. Where, I, I mean, sort of. Watch TED Talks, but then don't <laughs> don't make your thing a TED Talk. Don't right, be like, no, I've got terrible. one weird idea that'll revolutionize the anime industry. <laughs> It'll disrupt Crunchyroll. <laughs> if you think about it just like this, it's different. And that's all you need is just to think about it different. <laughs> like, no. I'm going to disrupt Moe with my new <laughs> TED Talk. Uh, no, but I mean, yeah, watch like real presenters, right? Watch people who know how to, how to talk in front of an audience and copy that. Like yeah. uh, Steve Ballmer. I don't know if that's a joke. Like, is that, Steve Palmer not good at talking to people? Uh, just, like, douse yourself in a bucket of sweat and just start 
raving and running from one end of the stage to the other, screaming while simultaneously <laughs> losing your voice and just like shout anime until you've got the entire room just ready to tear itself apart. Actually, speaking of just shouting anime, uh, <laughs> definitely read your entire, well, read it. Read your entire thing off your slide and read it just like Rudy Giuliani at the Republican National oh Convention God. and just say, <laughs> what, what did he say? <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, just go like, anime is uh, is bad, but I'll, I'll make it better. Greatness. Right at the end of your panel. Just do that. Just say greatness really loudly. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, this would be like, it'd be really surreal if someone actually just took one of Donald Trump's speeches. But just and put anime just, in there? Just, just change like a few key words here and there. And Kirino's see like, great. Gr- great, great person. Lover. Splendid. Spectacular. <laughs> great little sister. Anime. I'm going to make anime so good. It's going to be so good. Digimon, uh, so what good. a disaster. <laughs> Digimon. <laughs> now, Pokemon. Pokemon, I have a lot of respect. I got a lot of respect for Pokemon. But Digimon, Digimon it's a disaster. It's a disaster, folks. Pokemon. That's <laughs> where it's at. <laughs> Sword Art Online. They're just rapists and criminals. Sword <laughs> <laughs> uh, Art Online. It's just incest, right? I mean, you look at it. You look at it. You look at it for five minutes. It's incest. It's just incest. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, now that we've gotten that out of the way, please send us emails at podcast at anygamers.com. It's a very political episode. So you got bamboo on. Uh, I've also been listening to a lot of Chapo Trap House, so now I'm just talking about politics all the time. So we are on Twitter. Uh, I'm at vamptvo, at sign V-A-M-P-T-V-O. At sign Q-X-2-0-X-X. At sign A-N-N underscore bamboo. And we have a Twitter account for Anygamers, at sign a-N-I gamers. Uh, you can find info on anigamers.com slash podcast. That's where we put all the posts and you can leave comments and uh, <laughs> subscribe to us uh, on iTunes and on Google Music. And I just finally added us to Stitcher because one guy on Twitter yelled at me about it. And that's really all you need to convince me to do something. <laughs> uh, we are writing for a bunch of places. I write for anigamers.com, as does David. And I write for Otaku USA magazine. Uh, we have a bunch of great stuff on Anagamers that I really want to promote here. We interviewed LaShawn Thomas. David did that interview, and it is phenomenal. It's like the most popular post we've ever had on the site. You absolutely need to go read it. LaShawn Thomas is the guy who uh, who created the new uh, new Kickstarter project, Cannon Busters. I'm telling you guys, really, really good interview. It, David, David and it LaShawn is. just sort of like, you guys like got along really well, and it was just this great conversation between two creative people about like the creative process and stuff. I think it was great. Basically, I gave that transcript to Evan and I told him, you got to just print this like right now. Just, just put it out. Yeah. Just put it out and, there. And uh, I had my my doubts about like putting something that long out, but people really liked it. And and I am among them. Also, we interviewed uh, two producers from Under the Dog and those also, uh, I think, pretty good. Uh, we have some more coming soon too. more interviews. Did PA Works. Um, Yui, Yui Makino. Makino. Yep. Yui Makino. Uh, which is a weird one. David David wrote the questions, but I asked the questions because he wasn't feeling good. <laughs> I but I didn't know anything about yeah. what she did. Yeah. No, but you you kind of went for a good assist there with the uh, Shinji UI. Also, you write for Anime News Network. Anime News yeah. Network. Yeah, you can. Uh... They're they're like uh, they're getting they're getting big. They you know like yeah, this yeah. little little site. Yeah, yeah, small website. Yeah. Uh, talk about anime. Yeah. These uh, Japanese cartoons. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what are you doing for ANN right now? Uh, right now, I'm mostly just uh, 
doing um, the weekly episode review for Love Live Sunshine. Um, used to do a lot more. Sort of used to do the, the most grueling gig the most at that company. grueling ever, which was like reviewing every single shelf stream life. ever oh, and God. Shelf Life. They oh, right, were all right, brutal, yeah. But shelf Life, like, uh, I've heard stories from Erin about when she did <laughs> Shelf Life, and that was like, <laughs> she would just have no life. <laughs> the most grueling thing I ever did was uh, this sort of a short run uh, column called The Stream. Yeah, yeah. And where, like, I would review basically, like, every single <laughs> show that was streaming. You were miles and that was, before miles. Yeah, and that was, that was back when, like, each season would only have, like, 20 shows. Right. Now it's, like, 60 shows simulcasting or something crazy. Yeah, I mean, you're the original Shelf Life author, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was your yeah. column. That was, you, that was my your baby. baby. Yeah. My All right. Baby. Uh, and I am... Uh, one half of the Crunchycast on Crunchyroll. That is Crunchyroll's official podcast, crunchyroll.libsyn.com. We're also streaming on YouTube and on the Crunchyroll uh, Crunchyroll site. So go check that out there if you want to hear me and also see me on video, I guess. Uh, so don't think we have plans for next episode, though we will definitely talk about A Girl on the Shore, which both David and I have read, Inio Asano manga. That's that's on the list. Maybe we'll get a guest for it if we can figure some, something out. Uh, definitely let us know if you guys want... If there's guests that you want us to have on the show, we've been meaning to have more of them on, and I think this went yeah. pretty well. So, Girl on the Shore is going to be a good warm-up for uh, episode 69. That's right. Girl on the Shore is like Ew. a really good really good setup for that. Uh, Get a springboard right into 69. Goodbye. Bye. Okay. Okay. How about now? Sounds a little better to me. How about now? Sounds good. Good, good. Is this an eye, eye doctor eye exam? <laughs> <laughs> better or worse? worse. Better or worse? <laughs> Nine or ten. Uh, a J or K? <laughs> <laughs> subs or doves? <laughs> so, <Sorry. laughs> um, obviously subs. So I'm really at, happy about the whole you're at uh, the eye doctor. Funimation merger. <laughs> Or partnership that's going on. Um, also, by the way, uh, Crunchyroll disclaimer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we should do that. But first, I have a couple more eye exam questions, David. Uh, yes. Um, um, uh, it's Macross or Gundam? A, um, it's Minmay Min or Misa? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. Wait, wait. Imagine, imagine, imagine if your eye exam was dictated by, by the quality of your taste <laughs> in Macross heroines. So depending on your answers, you either have... Gasaraki? Like, really? What? That's not an equivalent choice. <laughs> That's like when the doctor gives you like the really clear looking one, and you're like, oh, you almost got it. And then they flip to the one, and you're like, I can't see it. anymore. And you're like, why'd you give me that one? <laughs> <It's> like, Gasaraki. Gasaraki. <laughs>